I know we talk about Shudder a lot on this show, but there's a channel that is way scarier. A channel full of such terrifying programming that it'll chill you to the bone. This dark and disturbing channel is, of course, Nickelodeon. (laughs) They also have had some scary shows on their network. And no, I'm not talking about SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And we will be talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Welcome, Midnight Society, to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this is episode 240, 240. And we are going to be discussing the 90s Nickelodeon horror anthology show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Good job going up at the end there. Thanks. Well, it has a question mark at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we get asked a lot um, uh, from uh, a lot of the time, what would make good gateway horror for kids? So if you have a mm-hmm. son or a daughter, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, or just some weirdo kid down the block, um, you may want to introduce them to this episode. Uh, they can listen to this one, and this would be this show would be a good gateway for them. Um, so uh, this will definitely be a good episode for them to listen to, except for all the dirty stuff and bad language we might right. say. Other than that. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you really want your child listening <laughs> to me? See, Attack of the Killer podcast, what we are is we're a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together. We discuss films within a certain topic. And we keep the conversation open and free as if we're just hanging out like on a Saturday night talking about horror movies. So we may say bad words from time to time like S-H-I-T or D-A-M-N. Or maybe we even may say the word fuck. Most importantly, we may even discuss spoilers, so be warned. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) If you like what you hear and want even if you like what you hear and want even more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life, well, guess what? You can. You can listen. Um, to even more Attack of the Killer podcast. You can watch more Attack of the Killer podcast. You can even wear Attack of the Killer podcast. And you can even make sweet, sweet love to Attack of the Killer ooh, podcast. Ooh. Well, maybe not that last one. Or a fee. But the rest is definitely true. Uh, you, you can do all that and more by becoming an attacker. Attackers are the higher level of the human race that help support the show. I don't want you to think that by helping support the show, it goes unrewarded, though. There are all kinds of goodies that you can get by becoming an attacker. Everything from, like, your own official membership sticker and uh, membership certificate sticker and membership card, bonus episodes, shout-outs on the show and the website, video series, exclusive Exclusive series to you, like Insane Mike's Women in Top Ten list, video updates, killer critiques, uh, you can get some of my original art called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster. Uh, there are so many perks of becoming an attacker. Uh, I don't feel like mentioning them all. Um, but you can 
get these perks by going to jointheattackers.com. You go there, you pick the tier that best suits you to get the perks that you want, and it's as easy as that. The website, again, is jointheattackers.com. Do it and get all that cool stuff. And now, let me introduce you to our own Midnight Society. Actually, Midnight is kind of way past most of our bedtimes. Uh, so it's more like the 1015 Society, or as I call them, the Podcast Crew. First off, he is the tale of the crooked stickers on Transformers, Jason. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh my gosh. Thanks everybody for listening. Be prepared to be scared to your core with the tale of Pognophonopony. It's the fear of beards. Tad, everybody. I'm afraid of beards. You should be. Okay. Our next episode is the tale of Clountergeist. Andy, everyone. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And lastly, our very special guest, welcoming him back to the show, the return of the of the absent podcast member, Dustin. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just here to re-up my Attack of the Killer podcast health benefits. Uh, nothing <laughs> more, so. Nice. Glad Wait, you're back. He buddy. gets benefits? <laughs> hey, shh. Uh, I grandfathered in, I think. <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh, it's, it is awesome to have you back more than just once a year, though. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. What have you been up to? Yeah. I, I I do nothing. I do nothing but work and watch movies and play video games. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, do you watch much Shudder, Dustin? I do. I watch a lot of Shudder, in fact. As everyone else should. So, because Shudder <laughs> is an amazing streaming service. You like my segue? Was that good? <laughs> it was. Still you. Damn it. <laughs> I stopped. Anyway, Shutter, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't it, know. That was a pretty. I, I tossed you up the softball. Yeah, you know. just bunted it out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of amazing stuff on Shutter, from series like Creep Show to Joe Bob, movies of all subgenres like 80 slashers, monster movies, zombie films, even Italian Jallo. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying all the Italian Jallo that's been on Shutter. Um, Hello? Oh, Andy. It's not always jello. They serve Italian, they, t- t- Italian jello? Yeah. They call it Italian ice, you idiot. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh. Italian You're thinking of gelato. Uh, there uh, you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Shudder has more horror content than Netflix, HBO Max, or any of those other lame streaming services. And you can get a month of Shudder for free from us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. You'll no get shit. yourself hooked. Yes. No shit. <laughs> Just enter our promo code AOTKP and get that first month for free. Again, that promo code. What? It's going to be like way too expensive to like send them like, you know, like frozen gelato anyway. So He's like, still on the gelato, <laughs> folks. But you anyway. don't have to be on the gelato. You can get a month of Shutter for free by entering that promo code AOTKP and tell them the killer podcast sent you. Movies, movies, movies. Sometimes it feels like all we ever talk about is movies. Well, now let's talk about even some more movies. Here's Tad with What We Watched. What 
Okay, guys, I am so excited about what I've watched that I'm just cutting in line and I'm going to talk about what I watched first. Um, oh, such a terrible I know. Move. So wait, wait, wait. Tad, what did you watch? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even going to wait for anyone to ask me because I, <laughs> I've, like, I've been on a streak, you guys. Um, I, I mentioned the first Fear Street movie on Netflix the last time we recorded on the uh, last episode. And since we recorded, they've released the other two in the trilogy, Fear Street 1978 and Fear Street ni- 1666. Loved both. Fear Street 78 was supposed to be more of a Friday the 13th vibe because it took place in a camp. Um, 1666 was more of a, a vibe of the witch, obviously taking place um, way back in the day, and they somehow melded them together. Uh, I don't feel like I need to talk to him too much on here, or talk about him too much on here, because I feel like a lot of our audience, by the time this comes out, was probably watched them or heard about them. So uh, if you have Netflix, I highly recommend this trilogy. They're a blast. Uh, has anyone else on the show list or watched these yet? Yeah, they were on my list. Um, I I freaking loved them. We just uh Brandy and I just finished it up last night and uh I kind of I kind of like the first one and the last one probably more than 70 than than the 78 one which I was going in thinking that was going to be my favorite but I don't know I think just when we kind of every every time it pulls back to the main story uh in 1994 I think that's when that's when I'm even more involved but cuz all that whole last half of um of 1666 was freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, their yeah, little I was stoked. their little plan in the mall to, to so cool trap the killers and stuff was awesome. And then just that idea what they did with the super soakers. I'll try not to give it away. I thought it was ingenious. I thought that was really cool. Um, but I but the first half it was really cool too. I was kind of a little worried because everybody knows I'm not a fan of period films. Me either. I was like, uh, this is going to be my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> But it was cool because one, it was completely casted with all the other actors from the previous installments. So that so was very, neat. yeah, very American horror story. Yeah. So I think that helped, and the fact that it gets it gets really dark and gruesome, um, in in the sixteen sixty six, and it's a, it's a faster pace than say you know, you were, you mentioned the witch. It's definitely a way faster pace than than the witch. Um, yes, just uh, more of a comparison of the time period, not so much the film. Like, it's not an yeah. A24. This is like um, if The Witch was uh, done by Wes Craven in 96. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I love this franchise, too, and um, I hope they do more, actually. I heard, yeah, I was for sure this was not going to be something that continued because um, a lot of people don't know this, but... The this trilogy was actually made by 20th Century Fox as a theatrical release. It was supposed to; be, they were supposed to be in theaters. Um, in the time that they sat on them, uh, Disney bought Fox. They had no idea what to do with them. Then pandemic hit, so they said, "Fuck it, we'll sell them to Netflix," and uh, that's how these movies came to be. And so it would be, you know, it's not unheard of for Netflix to pick up a property. They did it with Cobra Kai. They bought the first two seasons and, you know, made the third themselves. And they've done that with with several series. I'm not sure they'll do it with movies, but I think the popularity of these says a lot. And hopefully, I mean, the, the it's endless. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to connect to this. You could just do different years. Um, yeah. I will say like 78, I did like it, but it felt like. They tried to do a Friday the 13th vibe, but it still felt like a Scream vibe to me. So it was like, 
Uh, not a bad thing. It just did not feel very authentic to '78 to me. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't really feel very authentic to like those the early slashers to me either. I, the the gore was cool and those kills were brutal. It was yeah, and, and I still cool, love the movie. It just uh, didn't like. I don't feel like they nailed the '78 feeling, and maybe yeah. that was. Uh, I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but I st- it didn't let it didn't stop me from loving the hell out of them. Oh yeah. Um, the other, I guess, one big thing I saw in theaters was Black Widow. It was fine. It was pretty much what I expected. I'm not going to cover that too much because this is a horror podcast. I watched a new um, comedy horror comedy called Werewolves Within. It has a pretty Ooh, good cast of uh, of comedians, and it has the uh, I think it's the AT and T girl that's in all the commercials. Yep. Uh, she plays like a male lady, and the new sheriff moves to town. It reminded me like somebody watched. Um, the Wolf of Snow Hollow and was like, we could do this, but like make it straight comedy and not really any drama. Um, didn't love it. It was okay. It just felt like for the cast they had, it was cool. Don't, don't like not watch it. But I, all I could do is in my head, keep thinking like the Wolf of Snow Hollow is so much better. And I probably shouldn't have just had that stuck in my head. Mm. Um, well, cause um, it's, it's towards the top of my want, want to watch list. Where'd you watch it at? It's available on demand. Uh, okay to rent like anywhere, you know, okay. uh, Apple store and, or yeah, gotcha. basically Amazon everywhere. Uh, cause I think it's, it went on demand and limited theatrical, maybe same weekend. Mm. Um, cause it's, yeah. it's done by the same guy who did scare me. So first okay. of all, yeah. the, that, you know, mm. that was a hook for me. And then the, I thought yeah. the trailer looked hilarious. And now you say that I'm like, Oh, well, no shit. This is exactly that type of humor. Um, Definitely makes sense. It's it, it's almost like a spiritual sequel now that you say that. I'm like, okay, they could uh, definitely be put well, together. Well, because when Brandy and I are watching the trailer and she's like, is this taking place in the exact same cabin to scare me? Because <laughs> it looks like a lot of, it kind of looks like the same location. Yeah, I, I don't let my like, I uh, didn't love it type thing. Uh, I think I just went into it with higher expectations uh, because it looked really, really funny, and it had a lot of people I really like in it, and then uh, it was just a different tone than I expected, I guess. But definitely check it out. Um, one other one I watched was Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Uh, did anybody oh, watch cool. that? No, not yet. I've heard a lot about it, but not yet. It's like Karen Gillan with uh, very her. It's like her John Wick type thing. It's like a shoot 'em up. She plays a like a. Uh, basically a hired assassin. She gets to put on these jobs to go out and kill people and uh, by Paul Giamatti. And uh, I hate, I hate how everything gets compared to John Wick these days. If they have, if it's a shoot em up, that's not fair um, because this stands on its own. It's really cool. I'd say it's like, might've be maybe more of um, the Kingsman where like there's a society of these people that, and, and yeah, but I won't spoil anything. It's really fun. Shoot em up. Um, Great way to turn your brain off for a couple hours. I really thought it was a blast. Never a dull moment. Uh, fun shoot 'em up. Check that out. And then my final one is the new Nicolas Cage movie Pig. I watched this last night. Oh, um, I've heard good things. It's fantastic. Uh, I will, without spoiling anything, the basic premise is Nick Cage is a truffle hunter who has a truffle hunting pig. He's he's like a hermit who lives in the woods. <laughs> Um, he, he's a hermit, lives in the woods away from society and has this pig as his only like friend and only thing he loves. Um, and he deals truffles to high end food dealers. So basically like these super rich dudes, um, come and pick up truffles from him. And, uh, 
Some one day uh, someone breaks into his cabin and nearly kills him and steals his pig. So the rest of the movie is him trying to track this pig. And also, oh, it's like Mandy. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, okay. I, I've heard two comparisons. I've heard people say, you know, it's like Mandy, where you know he's on this revenge thing, or um, again John Wick, where you know they kill the dog and he's after right. them. It is. Uh, I went into it thinking it was going to be that because you have an image of what Nick Cage is going to be in that. Yeah, it is the polar opposite. This is the most subdued Nick Cage we've seen in years. I mean, he plays a a very quiet, calm guy who's hell bent on getting his pig back, but he's he's not a lunatic like you'd think. Um, it's beautifully shot. This could be an A twenty four film. It's produced by Neon Pictures. Um, Fantastic. I, I've heard some buzz, you know, about Cage getting uh, some awards, you know, the award seasons. I don't think it will probably do that just because of the weirdness of him playing a, you know, having a truffle hunting pig. Um, but it is really crazy. It's like, you know, this hermit who's bleeding from 12 spots in his head, uh, has a huge beard, long hair, is filthy, and he's slowly making his way through the um, very high end restaurant business and food business. And it's a great um, contrast. It's just so good. Um, there's a lot of twists in it. You learn a lot about the the underground, the dirty underground food industry um, while he's tracking down his pig. And there's a lot of life lessons. It's really deep. It might make you cry. Um, but holy shit, it's a good movie. It's not what you think. Like when I read all the all the headlines and you read it on paper, the, the idea of him having a truffle hunting pig, you're like, of course, Nick Cage would do this. This is like... <laughs> Oscar like this is something like Joaquin Phoenix Ooh. could do like this is really fucking good guys and it's it's uh wow. in theaters right now and you know you can you can uh rent rent at home so check it out damn you that's know, what I watch like there's different like tiers of Nick Cage you ever notice that there's like <laughs> oh yeah can, there's like a tier of you can afford Nick Cage and then there's like he but he gets to do whatever he wants and then there's like the tier where you can afford Nick Cage but you can also afford to make him do whatever you want. And it sounds like maybe that's tier two, Nick Cage. He's, he's sort of openly talked about that and how he picks his roles and, you know, people for the longest time, he didn't really have much of a choice because he just needed the money. But, um, he talks a little, he, he recently did some press for this movie and talked about how he's like leaving Hollywood behind because, um, of the freedoms of these little indie movies and how he can make them his own. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, just so such a great performance in this. Um, I just think I just think people need to be reminded. You know, every once in a while we get a Mandy, we get a, something like this. It's just a nice reminder that he is a great actor when he's given a great story, and you aren't just using his name on the poster when you're trying to get a uh, character. When you're trying to get him to play a role that you had in mind, yeah, he can nail it. It just depends on, like you said, what what you want him to do. If you, if you have this character mind, like we, I won't get dig, dig too deep into it, but uh, Seth Rogen recently wrote a book and he went on press doing like the press tour talking about it. And he mentioned how Nick Cage wanted to play the villain in green Hornet. Yeah. I heard that story. Did, yeah. He wanted to play, play it as like a Jamaican man with mm -hmm. like, yeah, a bohemian, uh, like, uh, accent and he like showed up for dinner with them and was like in character and they just like laughed at him and he got up from the table and left. Yeah. He was dead uh, serious. 
Yeah, he was not joking. That's what he wanted this character to be. And Seth Rogen, of course, Seth Rogen, like he he's at the dinner table speaking in this like Jamaican accent, and Seth Rogen's probably like, <laughs> and uh, he's like, so, so he he just like got up and left, and they said it was like incredibly awkward. But um, yeah, yeah, this the pig, check it out. Uh, Jason, what did you watch? Well, I went the other way. I didn't get to watch very much at all. Um, uh, last two weekends, we had a vendor show over the weekend, and then this last weekend was Crypticon for us, and so I barely watched anything. Just while we were at the hotel this weekend, the boy turned on Bohemian Rhapsody. We had all three went, Tina and Brighton and I all went to the theater and saw it, but it was just nice to watch it again, and it's only the second time I've seen it, and it's awesome, and I love it. And then last night, I'm just like, you know, back from the con, and I'm like, what what do I put on? And I might have time for a movie, and then I spent too much time looking around, and I'm like, I got an hour left. What do I do? And and I hate that I'm, like, late to this because it's just perpetuating talking about Dark Side of the Ring. But I finally I was I like, I'll, I yes. can always put on that. I say we're going to just keep stretching yep, that out. Keep stretching out. So when I'm about done, then Mike can jump on yes. and then he can start over <laughs> talking about it. But God dang it, you know, it's it's an easy one to put on when I have an hour of time. And um, so I watched a little of that. And that's, that's what I watched. What, yeah, what man. Uh, episode three of season two, it was, oh gosh, what's his name? The... Uh, oh, I know this. Oh gosh, I should have looked. Damn it! It's the the super ECW guy who's still alive. You know, so far that's one of the few. Um, New Jack. That's what it was. Oh yeah. Oh, the New Jack. One. Okay. Yeah. My goodness. He's not actually alive. He's he died. Oh, this year. just recently, right? Oh well, in the yeah, a couple of months back. Yeah, yeah, he had a yeah. Bad. As of the episode, the airing, he was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. Great show. Thanks, Vice, for sponsoring Attack of the Killer Podcast. If yep. you use the code AOTKP, you can watch the first yeah. season of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, no. Mike, what have you watched? Well, okay, so um, I, too, finished the Fear Street movies, like I said, so I won't get into that. Um, God, it feels like all I ever do is watch documentaries anymore. I watched, from 2018, a documentary called Mimi, La- Mimi Lay Bites Back. It's a documentary about the actress Mimi Lay, who's best known for being in several Italian horror, uh, Italian cannibal films like uh, *Man from Deep River*, *Jungle mm. Holocaust*, *Eaten Alive*. Um, and after you know, after her acting career, she just disappeared. Um, so this was uh, one of those movies like finding this like cult actress and and letting her know like you know she is loved, kind of one of those things she's loved, and then so starts doing some like some like cons and, and film festivals and stuff. Um, for the past several years, she had been a police officer. Uh, she switched courses and became a police officer. Um, and it was like through her daughter uh, that this, the filmmaker reached out to, to her daughter and to get in contact with, with Mimi Lay. And it's really cool too, because they, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, her contribution to that genre um, what it was like making those movies, uh, a lot of really interesting stories about uh, about making those movies, which I'm always intrigued because that whole Italian cannibal genre um, really fascinates me as like behind the scenes of it because they, they, they just got to be insane to have made those movies. 
Um, so that's a cool that's a cool doc. I watched that on, of course, you know, Tubi. Um, and then over the weekend, uh, Brandy and I we marathoned the Christopher Guest films. I hadn't seen most of those in a while, and sh- there's some of them that she hadn't seen before. So we watched them in order too, back to back. So we started with Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, and For Your Consideration. Um, uh, I definitely liked For Your Consideration more than I remembered. Um, I think just that one is so different from the other three that it, it's it's rather jarring. You're kind of going in with the expectation of what the other three were like, and it's and it's um, the format is is different. It's not as um, documentary style as the other three are um but still all they're just just all the cast in those movies and it's the same people in each of the movies and some of the most talented um improv people ever and those Mm -hmm. movies are just great i love them um so the last one i'll bring up is another documentary i watched i'd seen it before but i hadn't seen it in a while it's called shut up little man um and it's a documentary um about these these two guys that uh, lived in this like rundown had this rundown apartment in their early twenties in L.A. and their neighbors um, was, was these two men who would um, constantly uh. fight and bicker all night long, and it would be so loud um, that they ended up making recordings of these of these two men fighting all the time. Um, you know, calling each other like cocksuckers. And the one guy would always say, shut up, little man. And these recordings got passed around. It was a big underground movement back in the day of things like the the red tapes or, um, or you know, like, you know, kind of pre-jerky boys type stuff. I mean, these weren't prank calls. It was just these these recordings of these guys arguing. And it was one of those, like, really, like, transcending underground art things where – you know these tapes were like dis- distributed all over the world and had such a huge fan underground fan base there was like comic books made of this uh, there was a stage play made of it there was, you know, they talk about in the movie how attempts to actually try to make a feature film and um you know and it you know all these like rights issues and dealing with all that and um and then it comes down to the towards the latter half of the film and like this like rare interview with one of the surviving people that were um in that apartment uh you know it's 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 an interesting doc and i'm just really into especially uh, 80s and early 90s like underground art of things like this um so it's a really cool doc i would definitely check it out shut up little man which is also into me excellent did you watch anything else Oh, that's it. All right, Andy, what have you watched? Uh, Much like Jason, I was uh, preoccupied at the con, but I got a few things watched. Um, I watched the season finale uh, of uh, Loki, which I won't Mm -hmm. get into because this is is horror. Um, But I did eventually get the Banana Splits movie uh, watched. I actually really kind of enjoyed it. If you t- if you take it for what it is, I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, killer, you know, mechanical puppets. So you should know what you're getting into, so you should have the right mi- if you have the right mindset going in, you'll probably actually enjoy it. Uh, I want a banana buggy. 
<laughs> I want to drive around in one of them damn things. Um, I also watched uh, a movie called 247 Degrees Fahrenheit. Have you guys heard of this? Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Okay, basically, it's it's got Tyler Maine and Scout Taylor Compton from Halloween and Travis Van Winkle. He's the guy that... Uh, he said, um, you've got great nipple placement, baby, in um, the... Right, 13th uh, remake. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I know that line. But anyway, exactly. Um, your tits are stupendous. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the, the premise of this movie is there's this weekend thing, this jam going on, and all these, you know, two girls and two guys, they get... Uh, accidentally locked in a sauna and they they can't get they can't get out and they they knock out one of they're able to knock out one of the portholes in there so they can get a little bit of uh air a little bit of fresh air fresh air in there right but what what happens is because the window is knocked out, it's going to the the regulator in there is going to keep trying and raising and raising the heat to get it back to the original temperature in there. So I mean, it eventually just keeps raising and raising and raising and raising, you know, until it's like unbearable until they're about ready to pass out. But I won't get it. I won't get into you know how everything happens. But it's actually not a bad movie. Um, I mentioned this at the, the panel that I went to with Tyler and scout and they said the production of this was a freaking nightmare because it was filmed in Georgia, Russia, and there's a conflict going over there and scout Taylor Compton just goes, it was unlike anything that I've ever been around on a movie set. I've never had somebody literally point a fucking AK-47 at my head and say, leave the set. Oh my. You know, I mean, that's the kind of, that's the environment they were filming this thing in. So, uh, it's not, it's not a bad movie, but it was just kind of almost a little bit of a nightmare to make. They couldn't wait to go home from what they were saying. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a bad film. It's more of a, I wouldn't even really call it horror. It's more of like a, uh, um, it's a suspense movie, Michael. I won't say the T word. I was waiting Um, for it. But but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I mean, it's worth one watch, but um, I dug it, but I didn't get much else time to watch, but I got, I bought a lot of vinegar syndrome at the cons, so we get to hear about that next episode. Yeah. All right, Dustin, what have you watched recently? Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll make this short because I know that you all are clamoring for, you know, the best TV series to ever come out on TV. <laughs> so, uh, um, I, I did. I also watched the first Fear Street. I haven't watched the second one or third one. I was kind of on the fence. I, I liked the first one. Uh, but, you know, I, I was probably going to wait and push off the the uh, second and third one till maybe sometime later. But now I think it's like maybe this coming weekend type thing. So um definitely going to check those out. One thing I do want to say about the first one um is the music. Like they, they if you want to pull me in to <laughs> a movie, you yeah. do it with licensed music because <laughs> I just get, I'm a sucker for that, that type Needle of drops. 
Yeah. Like there was one scene that played three songs that would be enough to uh to fund an independent film, a right. full oh, yeah. feature. Absolutely. Like, it was ridiculous. Nobody does this anymore. You can't go to the theater and hear that much music. Unless a it's a James Gunn movie. Or that, yeah. Well, you know, and <laughs> look who's behind him, Disney. So they'll get whatever the fuck they want. Hmm. But like, um, or Disney or WB or whatever. But uh, like for a Netflix movie, this was kind of ridiculous. You know, for a show, I can get it because I think you can spread it out a little bit. But for this was, I thought that was awesome because nobody does this anymore. So they pulled me in with that. And that's how I kept watching. <laughs> so. Yeah, I wonder. I wondered if they just bought like a catalog. Like these are all like... Yeah. uh you know, run by like a certain label was just like, you know, here's our nineties catalog or something. Right. You know, well, there was like one scene where it, it, it plays Bush, uh, uh, machine head. And then it goes into like Sophie B Hawkins damn. And then there was another song after that, but it was like, they, there was no, there was no gap. Right. Um, in between that, but I do really love the score in this first one because it's so, so similar to screams it's yeah um, and it's the same guy beltram beltrami right uh marco oh, wow I didn't it's same, he, i'm like he did yep he did the score for all three movies and and uh he did the score for the scream movies and halloween h2o he did like all the 90s like i know what he did last summer that kind of stuff yeah well he didn't venture too far away from that <laughs> no um, uh that really hit home too just because i like i love the scream movies um but I also watched uh, – I've been watching a lot of Love, Death, and Robots. I don't know if you guys catch that on Netflix or not. Um, but if you haven't, you should because it's probably one of the most it looks fucked awesome. up shows yeah. <laughs> um, that I've ever seen. And every time I get done with an episode, I'm like, why isn't this a full-length movie? <laughs> uh, every story I've I've ever watched on the I, – I think I, we finished the second season um, just recently – I'm always wondering why I, I just want more like give me more like it's taken forever to get the second season out love death and robots on Netflix like y'all should check it out because it's legit like for real some of the best animation some of the best art some of the coolest story scenarios um, kind of almost like what ifs you know it's very sci-fi lots of cool stuff on there uh, and then one more thing I uh, <laughs> I introduced my friends to rad yes. uh if you've never <laughs> seen rad you should definitely watch rad uh it's about a bmx <laughs> man boy i mean he's yeah. either 30 or 13 <laughs> we don't know um uh you know it, living in a small town and he's gonna ride fucking hell track hell yeah. track is coming to town god damn <laughs> i i I never wanted to hell track more in my uh -huh. in my hometown after watching this. I've seen it a couple times now, but I introduced it to them and of course they loved it. It's it's a perfect party movie. Uh and this it was it was great uh because we were we were we were all in on it. I mean, I already was, but they were too because it we we'd all have just been recently um vaccinated and we've all been playing it pretty safe and so this was our like me and our pals like first get together. And, you know, for over a year, 16 months and just watching a movie and having a great time. It was a it was kind of a special moment. And I'm glad it was rad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it that's was what rad. I watched. Movie too. Excellent. Is that everything you've watched recently? No, but that's what I'll end on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, people. Get your Twitters ready. It's... Wait, 
How do you pluralize? Is it Twitter? Is it Twitters? Get your, get, it, your, get your tweets ready. Tweets? Twitty. Twitty. Conway oh Twitty. Oh, God. I'm so embarrassed. Anyway, here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right. Time for Pole Position. Let's look back on episode 238. The question was asked, what is your favorite one location movie? Remember your answers? Mike said Cube. Yeah, that's Jason the right answer. said Buried. Oh, shit, I forgot. Winner. Yeah. That- uh, Tad said The Shining. That's pretty good. And Andy said Ready or Not. Well, Andy's back to business with zero votes. Oh, oh Andy. That Why? movie deserved better. It did. I know. My God, people. Oh, in third place, Jason with Buried. It's got to be because oh, not enough people had seen it, right? Oh, I would... Honestly, I would have it. to say, normally I'd be like, oh, yeah, you did it. But I'm going to have to say, um, yeah, that's probably the case. Because I, I would I would have voted for um, Buried if I knew how to Twitter. Right. See? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's not necessarily horror. It's horrific. but It's, it's freaking right. <laughs> fucking terrifies me. Yeah. Therefore, the winner with 38% of the vote is a tie with Ted and what? Insane Mike. What? Sharing the victory. I'll take a tie. I'll take it. I'm not sure Ted's wow. happy about that. <laughs> hey, you know, um, win whatever. Win. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time for this poll position. On this episode, we're going to... The question is, what is your favorite TV anthology? Right? Did I say it right? Yep. All right, Insane Mike, what, what was your answer? Well, Cause, I knew my real answer would get taken. Oh, so why didn't you take it? Because I was lazy oh, and yep. didn't get to and didn't enough. answer fast enough. Yep. But you're so, the one that came up with the question. You could have just answered it when you posed you the question. Thought. I know, right? So I right. kind of went back and forth. Um, I'm going to go with my personal answer, and that's the Creep Show TV series on Shutter. Hmm, Creep Show. That's How much good. did Shutter pay you for that one? Right. I know, right? right. <laughs> I had another answer people... in mind that I think would have gotten me some votes, but I'm just going to go with, uh, and I'll tell you what that is after the fact. But oh. I went with, uh, I went with Creep Show just because that's my personal favorite as of now. Because that show, uh, that, not a single episode has disappointed me yet. Awesome. Um, I'll go next. Um, I, you know, I looked through a lot of them, and I, I'm like, I. I can't I, honestly I hadn't seen like all of all of them or anything. I wasn't necessarily a super fan of all, but the one that I I picked is the one that I probably watched the most um growing up and that's Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Crypt Keeper, man. Yeah, it's just uh such absolutely. a classic. Yep. One of the best intros to any TV show is Oh man. I remember, like, as a kid, I would sit in front of the TV and I would, like, wave my hands and the gate would open. <laughs> yes. And then we'd get to the door and I'd, like, punch my fist and be like, yes. the door opens. Yeah, I thought I was cool. <laughs> I was, like, trying to trick my friends and they're thinking <laughs> I was I was powering this. Yes. Oh, that's a great image You were to playing have. Doom before Doom, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Ted, what was yours? Well, um, truth be told, the two answers, there's two answers on this that I probably would have picked before mine, but um, this is right up there with them, so I feel confident in my answer in saying Masters of Horror. Oh, it's on the list. It's a great one. 
I um, when this aired on Showtime, I I was still living at home. It was when I was in high school, um, and I paid like my mom the extra twelve bucks for Showtime so I could watch them. And I watched every episode when it aired, like on TV. I could not have been more excited to have a. I had them all on DVD. I still have them on DVD, Blu-ray. I had I had a Masters of Horror T-shirt um, that listed all the directors on the back. I was obsessed with the show. And, and I, I still love it. Rightfully so. Yeah. It was a great show. That Takashi Makai episode, Jesus. Yeah. Which never actually aired. Correct. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember it was a big deal when it finally came on DVD. Yep. Had to get it from Best Buy. Yep, same here. Yeah, yeah and it's still mad to this day that it only made it through two seasons. And then they tried to do that watered-down NBC one, that Fear Itself one. Oh, I tried. I've tried watching a few of those, man. What a drag. <laughs> yeah. I just remember back then it was like a big deal where it was like, you know, there's rumors like, oh, is Rob Zombie going to get an episode? Is this that? And it's like people misunderstood, like <laughs> to be uh, most of the directors doing these were the older guys who were looking for work, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it, it still was awesome. Like, you know, you, we, we finally saw like a return that John Carpenter could still make a goddamn good horror story. Cigarette uh, with bur- cigarette yeah. burns, burns is one of the best. Uh, the yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's so fucking good, and it's just a reminder. Like w- when Carpenter has a good story, he can still like knock him out, man. All right, and Andy, it's, what would your vote be? Um, my vote is for the original uh, Twilight Zone. Um, mm-hmm. Hard to top. They that. had exactly. Oh, it's. It's it's the basis for everything that we're talking about right now. I think yeah. uh, you know you've got other ones just you know between like you know basically the outer limits copied it. Uh, One step Tales beyond from the dark side. Yeah. Uh, Night gallery or whatever. Well, night gallery is kind of like an off uh, like a a spinoff of Twilight yeah, Zone because it was hosted by the same guy. Yeah. Um, but Rod Serling, I mean, unbelievable, uh, writer, um, just, and he was of course the host. And then you had like Richard Matheson, you know, he wrote some episodes for Mm -hmm. it and just this, there's way too many classic episodes to, to list off of this, off of this show and just, and the, and the the guest list that they have is like uh who's who of of who went on to do just so many great things and these these episodes are just i mean i think they should just be required viewing you know c- certain ones at least should be required viewing for any horror fans so. is it is it true My, that you're debuting your rod serling impression today is that what's <laughs> like right now <laughs> what you're about to see is a nightmare <laughs> i tried yeah we're listening to a tank of the killer podcast yeah everything i don't know if i can do rod serling rod's 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 a little the, the scary doer there it is uh, there, you go. <laughs> there it is yeah he's better at it than i am i was gonna say you'd have to smoke like a thousand cigarettes to probably get the da- yeah yeah that. exactly i i have to take up smoking <laughs> I stopped Again. at a bookstore yesterday, and they were watch- They had it on a TV, and I was—I almost wanted to stop and watch. It was uh, the Shatner uh, nice. terror, at, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with the creature uh, on the wing, twenty thousand feet. Yeah, yeah. And I—I yeah. I went for my birthday two years ago. Um, they had like a 
Twilight Zone Fathom Events did a thing in the theaters where they played yeah. like the top like six episodes, seven episodes, something that people voted cool. on with um, a documentary about Rod Serling. And oh man, I drove to Iowa wow. City. See, on my birthday, it was f- just the coolest night. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, um, one of my one of my favorites is uh, Five Strangers in Search of an Exit. You guys Ooh, ever heard of that? Yeah, one? that's a good one. Yeah. Uh Probably one of my favorites. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the it's the one with Burgess Meredith and like it's oh like, time enough to read. Yeah, yeah. It's because that's just a, it's just such a cool little cool little gotcha at the end of that it's, one. Uh, it's it's not. I don't think it's near as popular, but it's called Steel with uh, Lee Marvin, and it's about it's set in the future, which the future to them was like nineteen seventy three. And they had like these robotic uh, boxers because boxing was outlawed, so they had to use robots that look like humanoids, right? And Lee Marvin is this promoter, and his boxer breaks down because it's an older model and it's kind of a piece of shit, and they don't even make parts for it anymore. So he has to go in and substitute, and he has to fight this robot, and he gets the fucking piss beat out of him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a neat little episode, and Richard Matheson actually wrote that one. Oh, cool. Well, there's some great picks. Uh, unfortunately, Twitter only lets us put up four answers in a poll uh, or choices in a poll. But, Dustin, if you could pick one, what would your favorite TV anthology be? Well, you know what? I'm Because I'm not going to be on the poll, I'm going to go right. ahead and just pick two because, yeah, well, I usually get them mashed together anyway because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I forget which one is which and I forget which episodes go to what show. But uh, I uh, – We'll pull up uh, the Hitchhiker. Um, that, yes, the, oh, that show used to be on yeah. USA. I love uh-huh. that show. I'll, I'll pull up the theme of that that show uh, just for some nostalgia because it hits home. Like it's like every time I hear heard that theme, I knew I was going to watch something really cool. Uh, but then most of the time, right after that, was Alfred Hitchcock presents. Oh, nice. Oh, duh. God, I consider that not one as yeah. good um, as twilight zone or any other but that's so, some really cool stories on there so you're talking the usa era right usa saturday friday nightmares yes. like up all night like that was yeah. my jam for that, so long you guys know this i've said this on the podcast many times <laughs> that was but i never saturday. i don't think i've ever mentioned the hitchhiker or Alfred hitchcock presents so those those were yeah. in the lineup you know they were usually either before mm-hmm. or directly after the movie because you had yeah. Uh, you know, you had your your presentation of the movie, and then you had either those episodes before or after. They they always changed up. It was on Fridays, and it was on Saturdays, and then Up All Night would come on, and then I think it just ended up being just Up All Night eventually. But those two shows, like I said, I get the episodes kind of mixed together. What came from what? <laughs> but I'll never forget the one of the 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 couple that just got married, and somehow their spirits were inside of their fucking uh, cake topper, and oh, whatever yeah. they, they were like voodoo dolls, and whatever happened to those happened to them, and like a guy get they they, they drop one, and the lady like breaks up into like a million pieces. I thought that was the coolest shit ever <laughs> as a kid, but can't remember which one that was from, but. I really love those shows. I wish they would put those out on. I, I would take a DVD, mm-hmm. you know, well, anything. But hitchhiker, I have a hitchhiker. Yeah, I was gonna say I have a hitchhiker too. DVD. Yeah, it's oh, like a really. It's like a co- it's probably a it's like a compilation of their. No, it's it's a it's a re- actual release, but it's like a compilation entire, of like, like complete. No, no, it's a compilation of like maybe okay. ten to fifteen of their really good ones. I think you know, I take but that. It's uh, um. 
Out of yeah, I I completely slipped my mind on the hitchhiker. Out of all of the horror, and Dustin, you have to tell me if you've seen this episode because out of all of the horror anthology TV shows I've watched, probably my all-time favorite episode is one of those Alfred Hitchcock presents, where it's a it's a guy in prison who comes up with this plan to escape, and he like blackmails or threatens the guy that's in charge of taking. Um, taking the the dead bodies out and burying them, um, that he's going to sneak out inside a coffin. Um, there's like a bell that rings anytime somebody dies or whatever, and then somehow he gets himself inside the coffin mm. um, with the dead body, and and the plan is for the the caretaker to come. He gets buried, and the caretaker's supposed to come back like a couple hours later and dig him up. So he's in this coffin like forever and he's freaking out and he's like, you know, the guy should have come and picked, dug me out, you know. So he gets his matches out and he strikes the match and mm-hmm. it's the caretaker that <laughs> oh, is buried yeah. in the oh. casket with him. <laughs> That's like the greatest episode yeah. ever of anything. Uh, are those on dvd anywhere i would take those too no i am not I, at least i have never seen them anyway that's probably tied up you know, that's alfred hitchcock that's yeah. probably tied up in, yeah. in i think you can get like the original the ones he used to host oh, i think right. those are yeah. on dvd but that that 80s the 80s remake ones that's when, what i'm looking for yeah, me too me too <laughs> while we're on the subject of other other series did we mentioned tales from the dark side right I just mentioned it in passing, but we didn't talk yeah. much about it. Oh, uh, well, um, yeah, just and the the other one that comes to mind is, and I think it was on WGN. It was called Monsters. Yeah, Monsters. Yeah, um, Brandy and I have been marathoning those. We kind of stopped there for a while, but we were watching those quite regularly. There on, you can get all those episodes on. Um, shit, I forget which streaming service now. But uh, both of those were Laurel Productions, um, Tales from the Dark Side, and Monsters. And oh man, mm-hmm. those those low budgets uh, really show <laughs> when you rewatch those. Um, but uh, but Laurel Productions, um, you know that was that was when uh, uh, George Romero was associated with that. So like you would see like in Tales from the Dark Side, you see a lot of episodes directed by you know there was a couple that were directed by Savini. You'd see a lot of regular yeah. Romero regulars show up in those. Um, and with monsters, Michael Gornick produced a lot of those, and he was uh, um, Romero's DP for a long, long time. We can also mention, since it's uh, they are collections of different stories, and it's not a linear storyline like the Friday the Thirteenth uh, series with like recurring characters. But yep. Freddy's Nightmares was also one that had different stories each time. Yeah. Well, those are all some really good answers and a whole lot of good bonus content there. But uh, everybody get your butts over to Twitter, at AOTKP. Get your votes in for who you think got it right, who picked your favorite TV horror anthology, and that's Pole Position. The one I was going to mention I almost thought about doing. <laughs> was, well, just cause I thought I, we were out. I I, well, because we I promised it earlier. I just want to – I'll mention it real quick, but American Horror Story. I thought yeah. about going with that one, but I yeah. would have been cheating. Just to try to get votes. Okay, so um, our topic for this episode, we are going to be discussing... Maybe the greatest of all time. That's right. Mm -hmm. The anthology show from Nickelodeon, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are you watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? In the dark? Well, what are you afraid of? Ah! What's so 
terrifying about tales of the unknown, the unseen, and the undead. After all, there is nothing in the dark that isn't there in the light. Or is there? Tune in for another tale of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tomorrow at 7.36.30 Central on Nickelodeon. Because the real terror never begins until night falls. Now, if you are not familiar with what Are You Afraid of the Dark is, it's a horror anthology show that appeared on Nickelodeon from 1990 to 1996 with two revivals, one from 1999 to 2000, and then the most recently in 2019. Wait, you said Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Yes, that's right. Now, the show was filmed in Canada, and once you see it, you can tell. Yep. Yep. There are a few of us on this show that grew up and loved this show, and then there's some of us more more distinguished gentlemen (laughs) who has not seen the show at all. So um, this is going to be some fun discussions, as this is the first time for some of us. Um, so we're going to take a look at several episodes of the show. We've picked out different episodes here. Um, Tad, you're a big fan of the show. As a matter of fact, this was your idea to do this episode. So what is the first episode? Exactly. What is the uh, first episode we're going to talk about? The first episode submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story The Tale of Station 109.1. Okay, this story is about a kid obsessed with death who discovers a radio station which takes its listeners to the afterlife. This one has a young Ryan Gosling in it, which it's notorious for. Um, Not one of my favorites growing up, but uh, just popular because of his inclusion and the one Gilbert Godfrey. Um, This one carries a punch for a kid show, which a lot of these do. Um, I I watched every one of these episodes as it aired as a child. This actually um, aired three days before my 10th birthday. I remember that. Um, I had all my friends would ride their BMX bikes over, throw them in the front yard. We'd come in the house, um, gather around the, you know, whatever 20 inch TV that we had in the living room, um, eating beef jerky and, and popcorn and drinking Kool-Aid probably. Uh, and we'd turn off all the lights and watch them. And then, um, my parents would have to take the kids home, even if they lived across the street because they were all terrified. But this one, I, I, I just looking at these now as an adult, uh, you know, re- revisiting them is just like, man, this is some heavy stuff. Like this is about the afterlife. You know, this this kid, he's it's, it's sort of weird because it's Canadian. So this kid, you would normally he would normally be like a goth, but he's not. He's just a normal kid who's obsessed with death. Um, he, I think it's it's Ryan Gosling's character's brother. Um and or friend i don't remember if they're brothers or friends but he's obsessed with death and to play a prank and sort of try to get it out of him um gosling tricks him into going into a hearse and locks the door on him but um he discovers a radio station and he follows the signal and finds out where the station was located in the yellow pages um he gets there and realizes you know that this is some there's something more to this and gilbert godfrey pretty much runs the gates of hell um and we realized that he was mistaken for someone who died. So uh, he almost gets sent into the afterlife before being rescued. But um, like I said, pretty heavy for a kid's show. I'm very curious to hear what mm-hmm. uh, those who did not watch, did not grow up watching this. Cause this was like, I would say goosebumps was the first sort of foray into horror for me where I could read it. And then I, uh, right around the same time, actually, I would say this was like my first foray into like, 
my own. It felt like it was mine. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to peek in on my mom watching a horror movie or my brother watching a horror movie. Like this was made for me. I could sit around. My parents let me, um, and it was like, I'm not scared of this, but it, it totally freaked me out. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you guys in general just think of this uh, show. Well, in general, um, it's definitely, well, it's definitely dated. And it's definitely, obviously, um, something that's watered down for a younger audience. But I'm, I am actually disappointed in myself that I did not watch this when it aired. Because this show came out at a time where I feel like, for my age, it was probably a bit more I'm snobbery, I'm too old for this kitty shit type of stuff, but it was a but it's a bummer because I feel like I missed out on a lot. It was because it was a golden age of horror directed at children. And then mm-hmm. that's amazing. That's amazing. Now I can't think of another era that had Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark? There was even a Tales from the Darks or Tales from the Crypt cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon around this time for crying mm. out loud. You know, yeah. so so much great content to suck you into a being a horror fan um that I just ignored and I and I'm bummed. I I'll tell you what, um, you know, I watched more than what was required for this episode. Me know? too. So I, I did have fun with this show. I mean, some of it is a little cringeworthy, especially in performances and stuff. But, uh, you know, for a low-budget Nickelodeon show shot in Canada, it, it, it a lot of times delivered some great stuff. So overall, I enjoyed it. That's good, Mike. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, you know... I, I kind of, it's, I think you kind of call that um, secondhand nostalgia, you know, in a way to sure. the the point where somebody else loves something so much, and even though it's old and it is dated, someone else who didn't grow up in that time or uh, you know watched it when it came out can appreciate it. Because you know, I was thinking about that. You know, if I had a had watched Neon Maniacs by myself at home, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have joy- enjoyed it as much. Sure. But since I got to watch it with you yeah. and experience it with you guys <laughs> a one movie night, like now I really like that movie. I mean, I, I, I think if I had watched it by myself, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. Um, but I think you can kind of see like that appreciation that somebody else has for something. Yeah. And you can acknowledge that even if it's not perfect. <laughs> and yeah. we know that Neon Maniacs is perfect findings, but he'll disagree with you there but it's, it's a perfect movie but it, it's fun to watch it's fun to watch so that's what yeah. I'm getting at oh yeah yeah I'm with Mike I have I've never seen one Goosebumps episode I've never seen one episode of this before I completely missed all of this I might my littlest brother Spooty might have watched it but I was definitely too old for any of it um I I agree with all the things you said. I guess for me, my biggest takeaway, I mean, yes, it was, I, I, <laughs> the thing I loved the most was just imagining little Tad on the couch um, being scared to death. And that was awesome for me. But, and I, and I think if I hadn't watched that, um, what was the name of that Nick documentary? The orange. Yep. What, the orange, orange years. Or the orange years. Yeah. 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 If I hadn't watched that, I might not have liked it as much because in the Orange Years doc, which was freaking great, um, I guess they really explained how this show and a lot of Nickelodeon's early shows were just like, uh, let's we have this idea, the boss is cool and said, go make it. And, oh, now we got to go make it. And like, 
the thing that screams out to me the most about watching all of these was like, holy shit, it was the lowest budget shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got one I mean, other thing to say low. about that when yeah. you're done. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, Maybe to its detriment, but I'm sure, you know, it helped a lot for creative reasons too. I mean, it made a lot of things better. Um, but if I, I mean, if I, I think um, it was easier to watch it with a grain of salt, having seen that documentary, understanding where the show came from out of nothing, out of nowhere with no money. Um, it made it easier to to watch besides all the things you said about, you know, like it, it is cool that something horror was directed f- towards kids when it never was for us, it seems yeah. like we were stuck staying up too late and watching Friday 13th and <laughs> shit in our pants. Well, here's what I'm going to add to that. Um, <clears throat> we mentioned the show Monsters a little bit ago, which was another, um, which was definitely a horror anthology show that I was more in tune to watch back then because I felt that it was definitely for an older audience. But rewatching Monsters here now versus watching this they made so much better use of their lack of time, their lack of budget, their lack of resources with Are You Afraid of the Dark than they did Monsters. Some of those Monsters episodes are freaking cringeworthy. There's there's some fun, still good stuff in there, um, but uh, uh, not nearly as wincing with Are You Afraid of the Dark as it is Monsters. So yeah. that's interesting in the fact that I feel like uh, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark took that no budget, made for television, um, very little resources, probably not a lot of time to shoot the episodes, and did it better than the one that was made for adults. And I really had fun. Like We watched like a sample from almost all the seasons, really, and it was fun to just see their acting get better each season. And all the running jokes that was really cool and that and that's something i appreciate as oh, yeah. well with the whole series of the episodes i've watched yeah running gags um reoccurring characters yep. like how many episodes is that sardo yeah mm-hmm. accent Zebo. on the dough uh-huh. like i don't know if you picked up on it when you watched it as a kid tad or dustin like you know, because you were watching it weekly, but when you're sitting down watching it back to back, and as an adult, you're like, "This guy shows up in almost every single episode." It seems. Oh like. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. With he's a in the va, va, va. <laughs> he's yep. he, uh, Sardo's in the um, reboot. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. See, that's like that, cool. I like. Yeah, that. they've continued that in the new seasons, the two seasons that came out last year and this year, or 2019 and, and early 2021, are not anthologies. Oh, okay. So, so you have to watch all the, all of them, but they, uh, so they all tie into each other. But it's fantastic I just, too. I like how it's this guy who is never explained, who shows up um, to like push the story into gear, you know, mm-hmm. and and he's and he's doing something different every time, whether he's working at the carnival or he's the chef or mm-hmm. he is the guy that has the movie that's going to revive there the There are theater. times I'm like, is that the same guy? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. You know, like, it was good. It was I also cool. think it's really cool. Like, well, I think as a kid, um, the Midnight Society, like, I felt like me and my friends oh, were yeah. an extension of the Midnight Society. Watching it around the TV, you know, was similar mm-hmm. to them. The campfire. It was relatable. And, 
Right. Yeah. They're just, you know, I, I was so jealous of those kids. Like I want, you know, I had my group of friends when yeah. we watched the show, but like, I want to sit around an actual fire in the woods and tell yeah. stories. And they developed those characters. You know, they weren't just, they didn't just have these nameless kids at the beginning, say the title of the show. They, they played a little bit into like, yeah. almost like not quite a lesson, but they, they were like, you know, they, they almost had an introduction like, oh, you know, this kid, he said he's not afraid of anything. And so he goes into a story about fear, you know, and it's just sort of cool. Like, just, yeah. yeah, they weren't that, just one dimensional characters. They just, right. Um, yeah. I felt like there was, there was character growth in those characters, even though we didn't always see their full stories. You know, we only get them for maybe like five minutes an episode, you know, at the beginning and the end of the episode, but uh, they go through arcs and whatnot. And there's continuity with those characters too. That definitely feels like an an eighties nineties Nickelodeon thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe my I favorite. Wish... No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I almost wish you know my perception of this show is uh, this came out like when I was probably going into seventh grade. So I mean, it was just a little late. For, I mean, I I watched it a little bit, you know, and I and I kind of liked it. Um, but it's just once you go into the seventh grade, you just you think you're just you're you're so mature. So you're just like you're you're you know. I, I was just starting to get into like more you know hardcore stuff than this, you know. So it was it was just at that like that certain point for me, you know, I watched like a few episodes, like maybe of like the first season. And that's what the, that those are the episodes that I really remember. But past that, I just kind of, you know, I'm this big tough guy. I'm going into junior high, you know, I mean, I can handle, you know, much tougher stuff than this, you know, but, uh, Oh yeah. I almost wished it would have came out like a year or two earlier, uh, and then I, I probably would have, you know, went on to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy more episodes, but it is what it is. I thought that one of my favorite parts about it all is, you know, how we probably had, well, we had monster squad, mm-hmm. this show, you know, yeah. all those kids, there's an age range from younger to older. It was a chance for young kids to relate and start their own monster club their own clubs about ghosts and stories and inspired kids that way and turned tad into a horror junkie it's great i love that (laughs) well something interesting that we haven't touched on yet is that it was on nickelodeon but it was really on snick 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 was snick was on later it was on saturday night you got to stay up late it was older kids and you really felt like it was for you and so with that, I mean, I think that's just more like the nostalgia. It's like, you know, you get to, you get to stay up, you know, kind of late and then you get to watch <laughs> uh, something scary. You know, that is, you know, is meant for you. Now, me, I didn't, you know, I got shipped off to my great grandmother's every weekend. So I didn't get to watch it unless it was a rerun and and or in syndication already through Nickelodeon. So like. In in my class, in my elementary class and middle school and up, uh, you were either goosebumps or you were Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh. And like there was no in between. I was kind of the in between because I just wanted to watch what I could watch. And it was like diehards. Like you either watch one or the other. And uh, you were not cool if you watched, <laughs> you know, something that somebody else didn't watch. 
But yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of nostalgia with these shows, and everybody. And what's really cool is that I bet if you ask any of the listeners right now what their favorite episodes are, it's probably going to be none of the ones we're talking about. Like it's just yeah. except for <laughs> everyone has right. one. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. has their favorite episode. It's different. I've asked a couple of my friends and they named completely. It's like, yeah, I remember this one about, you know, this and this and that. I'm like, I don't, but that's crazy. It's not my favorite. You know, it's <laughs> just, uh-huh. just, it was, it, it was just a very interesting show to have on that, uh, you know, everybody watched and everybody grabbed on to their, to their episode. There was maybe around a hundred episodes. Is that what I saw? Total out of the In seven the first outing yeah there's quite a few and, and f- most of them are not on uh, a, a good portion of them are not on paramount plus for some reason uh i really subscribed to it because i wanted to sort of <laughs> dig into them and they have sporadic episodes like my favorite episode isn't even on there um some of them that we talk about or one of them we talk about tonight's on there and it's like you can find them online but it's i just if i'm paying for a streaming service uh how about you put all the episodes yeah. on guys come on yeah, yeah. exactly Hashtag not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> if this was on Shutter, they'd have everything. You know they would. That's right. Paramount minus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so should we actually talk about the episodes? Um, yeah, it might be a good idea. The station one hundred nine point one. We had to get the we had to get the uh, nostalgia out. Oh of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got to discuss the complete overview. Oh I'm yeah. Sorry. And by the way, um, if you were a, a an adult or a child in the 90s, guess what? You got Gilbert Godfrey pushed down your fucking throat no matter <laughs> yeah. where you watch. He was in your TV. He was in your movies. He was fucking everywhere. Can yeah. you believe it? Abs- and that Some was people loved that. Glorious times. Glorious times. Anybody, anybody remember Friday night videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was times where he would host that even. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. Lucky son of a bitch. And that's, I gotta say, he's probably one of my favorite parts of this particular episode sure. because, because he, he to, knows what he's in, yeah. right? He knows the level of show that he's on, but he still gives it 110%. And, you know, you could say what you want about the man, but like whether he's doing USA Up All Night or an episode of um, Are You Afraid of the Dark or if he is doing a character in a Disney movie. He is giving it 110%. doesn't matter at what level it's at. And he's giving it his all here. And I'm going to say it. I think he's one of the best actors out of all the episodes that I've watched anyway. Oh, yeah. Hard to top. Yeah, I mean. Uh, this Academy Award-winning Ryan Gosling in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same With episode. With that 90s cute. hockey hair. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I thought this was a pretty good episode sure it it wasn't it wasn't bad i mean the the kid was a little little strange but well, well yeah he was like super obsessed with death. Show. like that yeah. was pretty dark with his obsession with death like he was yeah, yeah he was like he was like you know he's a canadian he dress as dark yeah he wasn't he, he <laughs> wasn't dressing as dark as lydia from beetlejuice but yeah he was pretty obsessed with death would you think you know. that maybe this is this is the their attempt the closest their attempt that they could get with dealing with a character who wanted to die? Because that seemed like where his character was going for me. He was like, "Are we are we trying to talk around 
a suicidal character at all? I didn't catch on that myself. I just thought, you know, when I was, it made me think of when I was a kid, I wore like all black shirts. I thought death was cool. Heavy metal was cool. uh, Horror was cool. So to me, I was like, I sort of got it, but I thought, you know, like a kid who's obsessed with death isn't wearing, just wearing like uh, a flannel or button up shirt and jeans. Like you got to dress the part too, man. Agreed. But I feel like, um, I mean, you know, like any anthology show, there's morality tales or, or like the character, main character who survives the story learns something. And I feel like he learns a better appreciation for life instead of just being obsessed with death. So I don't, I, oh, just, yeah. I just kind of felt like maybe they were trying to tiptoe around, you know, it's like we're Nickelodeon. We can't do a story about a kid who wants to commit suicide. So we're just going to have this kid obsessed with death. I have a, I have a question. Um, who the fuck serves mashed potatoes with cocktail shrimp? I never could understand why <laughs> those two things do it. not go together. Canada, <laughs> he's, man. He's, Canada. He's, he's burying that fucking shrimp with mashed potatoes. I'm just like, I don't think I've ever had those two things together, or anyone on the planet has. Well, they may have, but it just seemed like an odd combo. Cana- I think they just needed something that could bury the shrimp or something. Yeah, I don't it's know. A, no, it's Canadian delicacy. It's the seafood poutine. Did anybody else um, get you know big like Beetlejuice vibes from this and just the whole bit. waiting room? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, bracelet. I mean, I was it just felt like it was screaming me right in the face. Like man, this is very Beetlejuice uh, at that yeah. point. And then the really cool '90s slap bracelet, which you know that's that's <laughs> bam, that product yeah. of its time right there, just perfect. I chuckled when the slap bracelet went on. I'm like, oh, that's very <laughs> '90s right there. Yeah, I recently rewatched this one actually before we even talked about doing this episode because I it was like right when Paramount Plus debuted. I wanted to go through and I sort of looked up like, you know, top episodes. and I couldn't really remember this one. And then when I started watching it, I'm like, oh, this is the one with Ryan Gosling, and Gilbert Godfrey. It's infamous for those two characters. Um, and like I said, it just seemed pretty heavy for a kid show. I probably did not understand it when I was, you know, nine years old. And this aired and watched it. I was probably like, you know, this kid just likes cool monsters in Halloween. You know, then didn't really quite get the fact that this was like the afterlife going. Because I I didn't grow up in a religious family. I did not know. We did not talk about what happens when you die. um, None of that stuff. So this probably went a little over my head. But rewatching it as an adult, I just sort of like heavy shit for kids. Mm hmm. Sure. Definitely. All right, uh, Andy, what's the next episode we're going to talk about? Okay, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this next tale the tale of laughing in the dark. Uh, It's about a kid named Josh who decides to prove that a funhouse isn't haunted by stealing the nose of a clown who is supposedly haunts the place. He learns that the story is in fiction when Zebo pays him a little visit. Um, yeah, these these two friends, they like to kind of hassle each other. One of them's a bit more of a shit than the other. <laughs> and um, they keep uh, pestering each other about, you know, uh, going into this fun house. And eventually they do a little bit of research on it. And they they because they keep hearing about this clown named Zebo. And eventually, 
what they find out is that this clown named Zebo uh, eventually tried to rob the uh, the carnival, and eventually he they didn't he went into I believe the fun house as the legend goes, and it burnt to the ground, and then supposedly. He died in the fire, and now this this clown Zebo, you know, haunts this this funhouse after they, you know, reopened it. So eventually, they keep pestering each other, and you know, because they say, "Oh, you don't believe he, you know, he haunts it," and blah blah blah. And this one kid, I think his name is Josh. Okay, uh, they dare him to go and get Zebo's nose. And if he can fetch the nose, the other friend has to wear it to school for like a week and be embarrassed and all this and that. Um, eventually, uh, Josh does go get the nose and weird stuff starts happening. He starts to smell uh, the cigar smoke that because uh, Ze- supposedly this clown Zebo smokes cigars. And uh, weird stuff starts happening. Uh, he starts getting prank calls. And, you know, I he wants it back. You know, he's kind of like sounds like Golem. You know, he wants his he wants his fucking nose back. And uh, just a just a lot of lot of weird things that I noticed in this episode. Because when he goes through the fun house to get the nose, you see like you know the Frankenstein's and you know the big things jumping out, and then they have like this flame throwing dragon, which is a fucking lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> Because it's uh, it's it actually shoots flames out of its mouth, and once this uh, this kid gets gets the nose, it looks very killer. It looks like very killer clowns once he gets to like the last part of this fun house with you know the odd shaped doors and and the big colors and whatnot. And anyway, he gets the nose. Blah blah blah. Later later on, uh, like. Uh, the night after, uh, he's he's getting pudding and he never even cleans it up because he wants to get spaghetti <laughs> later, which which I thought was hilarious. He's just like it's okay, big ass bowl of pudding. pudding. Yeah, I mean it's spaghetti the in the pudding. Yeah, yeah, and you know, eventually a, a lot of this spooky stuff keeps happening. There's like Zebo footprints in the pudding that you know was <laughs> left there, obviously. And you know cigars in in the spaghetti, and eventually the kid freaks out, and he takes the nose back to Zebo with a box full of cigars because af- apparently he found a guy that's going to sell him uh, sell you know cigars to a miner in the middle of the night, so you know he could go give the <laughs> cigars to Zebo. Um, this was the first episode that I watched when I was a kid, and it looks like it says here it, it was it aired in August twenty second of nineteen ninety two, and uh, it was the one that I that really stuck with me. And apparent it, according to the IMDb rating, it has a nine point out of ten out of one point one thousand votes. So. Uh, it apparently yeah, is this is actually a very popular one. Yeah, yeah, it's like the yeah. episode, the episode that people know it for. Yeah, yeah, and it's this is this is the one that really stuck with me, and it actually has uh, Aaron Tager, who they believe is the ghost of Zebo, who uh, is the carnival barker in here, telling you know the kids go inside, do take a look, you know all that kind of shit. 
which is which is I believe is the only episode you don't see him with like the big Doctor Vink beard. Yeah. Am am I right? Okay, I think so. Um, this this is like I said, this is the one that uh, really this is the one that introduced me to the series, and since it's it's the episode, uh, yeah, that's why I guess that's why it really it stuck with me. So. Zebo the Clown, the tale of laughing in the dark. What are your guys' thoughts? The, yeah, this one for me, yeah, obviously, is one that stuck out in my mind. Um, when uh, you ask people who watch it as a kid, this one gets almost brought up every time. Not necessarily as a favorite one, but one they remember. Because um, I think at the time, clowns weren't overdone. I mean, it was, you know, they, we did have the It miniseries right around the same time. But uh kids are scared of clowns especially creepy ones and uh that name just sort of stuck out and sort of was burned to people's brains and uh i feel like this one yeah just struck a chord with a lot of people i I know so many people who were afraid of clowns when they were younger and so this one just freaked them the fuck out and just sort of left a uh impression this was this one was pretty good um I mean, I am a sucker for any movie show, doesn't matter, that takes place in a carnival or a fun house. That's true. And yeah. the and the mm-hmm. aesthetic of this fun house was awesome. I loved I loved the Zebo clown. He he I want that Zebo clown. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> it was freaking cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, just you know, hanging out in the dining room or something. I don't care. It was this freaking cool design, and um, really, fo- you know, if you if this is probably one of the most popular episodes, it's probably because it feels like most of the budget of the whole series went into the making of this funhouse because it is yeah, I was like very cool. When I here. watched it, I'm like, how many times are they going to reuse these doors in this room? <laughs> <laughs> Now the main kid that gets haunted by Zebo because he steals the nose. <laughs> I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to punch him yep. in the face so hard. <laughs> Which is why I think I enjoyed it as a kid too. Was like this is a Wait, bully that at, I knew at school that was like a huge piece of shit that would pretend he's not afraid of anything, and I wanted to see him get it. You know. Yeah. Well, and when he's home alone, his acting is. I mean, I know I say it all the time. I I try not to judge acting, but his acting is so freaking bad, and his motivations. Don't make sense. I, why does he pull out every single piece of silverware out of his freaking silverware drawer? He's losing nervous. It. I guess, yeah. but this is it doesn't read well really that hungry. way. <laughs> and spilling the pudding that he's obviously walking through, but um, only Zebo leaves a footprint yeah, he- in. And and like when he takes the casserole dish out of the microwave that's been in the microwave for had have been at least 10, 15 minutes, and he's not he's using oven mitts, no he's just with his bare damn hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh I, I, hold on a second, I gotta check you right here because this is a kid's show and uh you, you just you just you just don't know what you're talking about. This is gold. <laughs> this is the greatest episode ever. No, I agree with you, that's all. <laughs> I was yeah. that kind of stuff takes me out of the episode a little bit but it the the zebo the zebo clown the story itself the fun house aesthetic um sold me on this episode so yep i agree with all those things i liked it too i uh had not much left to say when andy he read off the date i was like shit mike was in college then i don't can we move on okay yeah so that's that's a good one so, J- so, Jason, what's the next episode? Oh, man. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story 
The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Dr. Vink helps an old movie theater in danger of closing by showing a special version of the vampire classic Nosferatu. This one's cool for like the same reasons you like the other one for the fun house. This takes place in a theater. Yeah, I was like, yeah. if, right? How great is it? If you're not mm-hmm. going to film your your movie or show at a at a carnival, make it a movie theater instead because that's the other my other favorite place to, to see things. Oh man, I was all in that that the the main kid. I mean, on one hand, he's like he's he really wants to save the theater. He's all about his theater job, and I'm like, yes. Because if I had that job, I'd feel the same way, man. Theater yeah. all the way. Let's... Oh, yeah. Especially that theater. It was gorgeous. Oh, it was. That's me every day. I know you suck. And then, But then <laughs> on the other hand, it's like, there's a girl. So it's like, oh, is he going to get, is he going to, is she going to notice him? Which, is by the a... way, can I say something? Yeah. Doesn't that girl remind you of the girl in Demonica that also played the cashier at the skating rink? Yeah, no. She kind of I'm did. sorry. No, it was just right. very similar. I was like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, so it had that going on with the episode two, a little bit of a romancy thing. But then, and then the Nosferatu stuff. How great was that? Like, I, I didn't even mind the bite effects. Oh, I didn't really mind bad. it. <laughs> I, well, I, or are they? They were... I mean, they. Well, I guess if you're watching it on like a big freaking. Oh, maybe. <laughs> you could totally see the seams. But I was going to give props to the vampire makeup. I yeah. thought the vampire makeup, I liked the three dimensional veiny yeah. things on them. I thought, yeah. knowing knowing going in that like they don't have much to work <laughs> with, they don't have much money to work with. Is, this is, so it looks like makeup. it would be yep. yeah, a makeup job I would do. And I was really impressed <laughs> with, the, uh, with the overall makeup. Yeah. So I definitely really like this one. Yeah, I liked it too. First of all, I want to thank Dustin for the the Monica plug. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, go to prescribedfilms.com uh, and get your, your copy. <laughs> <laughs> or you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Anyway, um, yeah, I like this one for the same reasons. Yeah, taking place in a movie theater and, you know, trying to save the old theater, you know, that whole thing. And kind of kind of had some popcorn vibes with me. Yep, you know, you I get, felt that. You get like in popcorn, Ray Walston comes in from out of nowhere to uh-huh. help put on this show. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, only this guy's obviously more magical and has a more more of an agenda. And more of your hairstyle from that time period. <laughs> Who's oh. next? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I wonder what his movies were, though, because oh, that I was know. part of the I know. Deal. I wanted to see those movies. <laughs> that were like much better two. than this one. It's like Cannibal Holocaust. Right. I was coming <laughs> fucking loving it. I want to see the you kid said. walk into the screen of that one. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. <laughs> his girlfriend's up on a stick. <laughs> oh, fuck. The Caligula <laughs> fisting scene, you know. <laughs> the devils. Uh, Serbian films. <laughs> yeah, I knew oh, it. God, I knew that please was no. Salo, <laughs> yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's workout. 120 days, baby. That's how many day, how many shows they're going to do in a row of it. <laughs> People love it. They just keep coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that old lady. She's yeah. going to be keep showing films like that, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was showing uh, Nosferatu would bring people to our theater too. Well, have you but, tried uh, it? I have. Oh, We've shown it, it several times. Magic's it brings. 
Yeah, the magic's worn off. No, I, I <laughs> it's brought some people in, just not as many as they get in their theater, you know. Nice. But it's televised, so it's it's a television's a little exaggerated, so <laughs> and is it a nineties thing? I mean, is it acceptable that when your film breaks down you just put on another completely different movie and everybody's okay with that? It just doesn't matter what movie you go see. You don't even have to if put it. If it glows red, you put it on. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, this was a good pick, just having the Nosferatu yeah. coming out of a theater. I mean, this one, yeah, it just has all the, hits all the right buttons, has some really cool stuff in it. It wasn't a bad effect, you know, for budget-wise, going in and out yeah. of the screen. Well, yeah, I thought that, that looked good. Yeah, for what you're getting, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, next, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story Tale of the Night Shift. In this tale, we meet Amanda, who works the night shift at the hospital. Colin, a guy who nowadays uh, would probably get arrested for harassment, um, constantly asking Amanda, poor Amanda, out uh, every chance he gets and not taking no for an answer. Um He's also there at the hospital, and the, the two of them unite to discover the source of a weird of weird stuff happening around the hospital. People start b- disappearing, and then reappearing, but a bit different. As it turns out, there is a vampire in the basement of the hospital. Um, it's interesting, I decided to do the description of this one, because this one probably might be my favorite one of all the ones we watched. I nice. really liked this one. Mm-hmm. I thought again, I thought the vampire thought makeup. Well. Yeah. I thought the vampire makeup looked really cool. And it was different too. It wasn't just another Nosferatu or whatever. because uh, when you first see him, you don't even know what he is. You know, that first shot you get of him, you don't yeah, you know, I didn't know it was it was gonna be a vampire story. And then, you know, they did some things different with vampire lore that I thought was pretty cool and rehashing some some old vampire lore that you know, I think a lot of people forget about, you know, just t- just how attached a vampire is to their coffin, you know? Mm-hmm. You know Which I think really was seen. the same coffin from the Nosferatu. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> it looked like oh, the same I'm sure, prop. yeah. Um, I thought... Yeah, you've got, like, that Transylvanian soil that, you know, they have to sleep around and stuff yep, like that. Yep. Yeah, and, and at this time period, you don't get that in the vampire lore. You know, that that's something that, you know, you haven't really seen probably since the Hammer days or whatever. So so that was cool. So I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed this one. I thought this one was, was a lot of fun for me. It had a halfway, pretty halfway decent jump scare when, you know, that kid walked around the corner and you just see that vampire is just, ah. mm-hmm. that's what I thought. I was just like, oh, shit. So that's the kind of episode we're watching. All right. I also feel like this one was one of the more dangerous ones. Like I felt like there was some real stakes. Like yeah, no I agree. Intended. No, that's yeah. what I thought too. Was like it was more he- like serious, dark, um, less like playing on kids' fears and more just like life fears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because this vampire is like a real, real threat. Right. Yeah, this also has the girl it, from uh, Wrong Turn in it as well. Emmanuel Shrieky. Is that her name? I I I spent half the episode being like, I know it, I know her, I know. Yeah. And she was Sloan in Entourage, is how I knew her. Oh, the the nursey girl who's made it to the end. Oh, oh yeah, her, Mike. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, because like I I, I thought her acting just shined above everyone else's too. <laughs> so, well, I think overall 
But it was, yeah. Overall, this was mm-hmm. probably better mm-hmm. acting from everybody. And Elisha Cuthbert. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. He was in it too. They recently had, I don't remember how recent, but they had a reunion um, of the Midnight Society and she like was part of the reunion because she was on the show and it was just cool to have her like talk about her experience on there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And don't forget the full body burn. I mean, you don't see that on kids programming. Uh, Oh, yeah. And a dummy off the side of the building. That was my favorite part. (laughs) I love that shit. I'll watch that all day. Which wasn't horrible. I mean, I'm coming from, this is coming from a guy who watches Italian horror films and they don't even cut away when like a body part falls off of the, off the mannequin when they throw it over. (laughs) But it shows the end too of them on the ground, which is shocking. Yeah. Definitely feels like it was maybe, you know, one for, even just a little bit older than the usual. Are you, are you afraid of the dark crowd? Yeah, he's hanging her over the side of a building. Yeah, like, that was intense. Yeah. That was it, intense. It was, it was well shot. A good angle to make yeah. it look like she was in more danger than I'm sure she was. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was yeah it was it was an episode filled with it like con, it seemed like consistent danger as opposed to just like you have these episodes that are just lurking dread. It was just. Imminent danger, like pretty much consistently throughout, you know, the show. So that's what I think it sets it apart from other episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Probably why it was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. This is not one I remembered much as a kid, but when I look it up, it's considered like uh, it's on all the scariest lists, like as mm. far as like serious, scary episodes that still hold up. So um, that's why I put it on our list of consi- to consider. I assumed you liked it, Mike, because it's called Night Shift. And I love Night Shift. See, exactly. Michael Keaton at his best. <laughs> That's different. I just remember that fucking car he drove, but yeah, I don't want to <laughs> get off subject. I do. Let's talk about Night Shift. <laughs> no. All right, fine. Tad, what's our next episode? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story the tale of the dangerous soup. So Dr. Vink's back. His soup restaurant is the top of the town where a young man who applies at the job along with a waitress find out the secret recipe to the successful soup. Um, This one, again, has Aaron Tager as Dr. Vink, but it also has a very young Nev Campbell. Nev freaking Campbell. I mean... yeah. This yeah, had to have been cool? this had to have been close to scream at this point. So after nineteen ninety four. Nineteen April sixteenth, nineteen ninety four is when it originally aired. Um this is one I was very curious. This was one that was recommended by our guest Dustin. Um Dustin, why did you recommend this one? Why did you make us watch this? Yeah, <laughs> did you not <laughs> like it? <laughs> no, it's not it's just one that I remember as a kid just sort of like being like this is a this is this was not a great week. Um but <laughs> it, it wasn't not not bad. I just it was like a soup one. Like what is this? Like What's the uh, name of the show. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe, well, yeah. I, um it's a cool name. Yeah, I always thought it was called Fear Soup for some reason. I don't know why I kept calling it Fear Soup uh, when I would talk to it about my friends. Uh, I thought it was just a cool, awesome idea as a kid. And anybody in a coffin that comes out of a coffin reaching for you, I always thought was kind of scary as a kid. So obviously, I don't think it's fucking scary now. <laughs> but uh, it did. You can admit it, it bro. Don't. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, but I, I'm telling you, I don't. I'm scared to eat soup after this one. But you know, anything that scares you know the shit out of you, and you like excrete this you know serum that oh, yeah. makes soup taste better. I mean, that's fucking weird when you're a kid. So uh, that always kind of you know made me queasy. Um, I I just it, it when I watched as a kid when I watched this one it it felt more like a movie, and I don't know why. And maybe it was Nev Campbell is. You know, Sydney Prescott in this. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like she's at that point in her acting chops where she's believable as that hostess girl. Uh, The other guy, not so much, um, but they they Uh, and they were older. And I felt like because they were older, um, I was watching a movie and, uh, you know, all the, the the I thought the other actress waitress was is still good in this as well. Um uh, just the the idea of being afraid of uh, you know, of not being afraid, saying you're not afraid of something, and then like reaching in and finding it, and like that. Uh, you guys want to talk about heavy, you know, in the in the radio episode. Uh, like this one's pretty heavy too, in the point where like this guy who has obviously been abused and or has something happened to him, like that reaches out to kids, mm. you know. And like this guy, like, you know, they reach in and they find that and they find his uncle and they put him in there in that room with the coffin like that, like that. It's not scary today, but like back then it was just like, man, like this guy ain't afraid of nothing. They ain't going to find nothing from him. And they do. And it's just, I don't know. It just, it just, uh, I think it's scarier than what you think it is. Like, um, you know, maybe if you were a kid and I don't know, I just really liked it. This was the one I always went to. And I, I had a thing for Nev Campbell, uh, not then, but, you know, I had a thing for that character, uh, not realizing that she was, you know, eventually going to become in Scream, watching Scream, and then going back and watching this. I loved it even more. I thought it was really cool. But yeah, when I we watched it, it's good. Nikki had never, obviously, hadn't seen these, and uh, she rewatched some of these with me, and she's like, man, Nev Campbell, like, is acting exactly like she does in all the, like, in the Scream movies, where she's, like, gasping and always, like, in tears, and, yeah, you know, she's playing, uh, like you said, Sydney Prescott, and, and I read on the trivia that this is the only story in the entire series that focuses on protagonists over 16 uh, so oh, really? wow. this was, yeah, the only like sort of one that featured adults that were in trouble. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So maybe that's why I didn't connect to it when I was younger was like, these kids were too, like older. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I'll I can connect to it because, you know, I've worked in like the restaurant business and I don't think anybody should like, I would always be fearful of anybody secreting anything into my food, <laughs> you know. So I mean that oh, that's Andy. that's like that's like pretty 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 terrifying in and of itself. But uh, all in all, you know, all kidding aside, I mean, it's just like yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting idea, you know. You know, uh, this Doctor Vink. I mean, he's he's. Uh, He's a jack of uh, all trades. I mean, he's like a, he's a film producer. He's like a chef, and he's God. Yeah, he's a carnival guy. I don't know. He's he does all sorts of shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys tackled pretty much everything that I was seeing. Uh, but uh, what was the, what was the other girl's name? You know, screaming and you know. 
Yeah, well, I, hell, I guess it's not important. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, well, the other waitress that uh, that was that didn't want to wash dishes. I guess <laughs> it's not important, but um, yeah, uh, cool episode. I mean, it's just like I I never had known that like. Gilbert Gottfried did an episode. I didn't know that Ryan Gosling was in this. I mm-hmm. didn't know that Nev Campbell's just like, I, I didn't know, realize that's how some of these, you know, major actor or actresses, you know, really kind of cut their teeth was just on this show. So, I mean, it's, it's really kind of cool to see where they started out. So. Well, I thought it was kind of bullshit on the Paramount plus app that, you know, the, radio episode has like in parentheses ryan gosling oh yeah and then oh, like yeah. on this soup episode it doesn't have anything about nev campbell i mean yeah. i know she's not you, an academy award winner but you know she's yeah, yeah fuck her i guess well known. yeah it's like do it for everyone or for no one like yeah you know. oh. um one thing i'll say about this episode is i i uh what I liked about it is it went in the, it didn't go in the direction I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be all about what happens to you if you eat the soup more than once. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. They kind of like, you're only allowed one, one soup. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. It never gets that. explained, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't go in the direction I assumed it was going to go. You know, it, it did something different. So. The soup is bland. Secrete some more into this. <laughs> Need more fears. Fear soup. That's a better name. Okay, Andy, what's the next episode? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. This story we call The Tale of the Phone Police. I know I'm reading that wrong, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> the first story I chose, and the second one I wouldn't have, but uh, here we go. Jake O'Brien loves to make prank phone calls. Unfortunately, people who mess with the telephone get taken away by the sinister f- <laughs> phone police, <laughs> and they catch you, and and you will ha- and you will never have existed. Um, just like the story says, Jake and his friend they uh they're making prank phone calls just being kids and uh one is a little bit more hesitant and then his sister comes in and catches them and said that the phone police will take you away because they took this one kid billy baxter away and they think that uh the sister's full of crap and they start looking to this billy baxter kid and they find this phone number in there in the phone book for billy baxter and only has six numbers and eventually they're able to contact Billy Baxter and he says, you know, help me, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they go to the phone company and uh, basically they, they, they inquire about this Billy Baxter and uh, they go down. They get sent down to the basement where Albert Fish is down there and uh, basically they ki- uh, Jake gets kidnapped because they know that he's been making uh, prank calls. And eventually his friend goes back and says, you got to help me to his sister. And the sister is basically like, I don't even know you, dude. Like, and he just goes, I'll prove it to you. Jake's uh, room is just, you know, over here. And he goes in there. It's not his room. It's all different. So 
the kid, you know, eventually goes in there and he breaks him out and they run away from the phone police and oh, you do exist. Which Andy's you know? clearly not afraid of. Gosh. Uh yeah. Um yeah, that's the that's basically the tale of the phone police and one of them disguises themselves as a pizza man. And eventually, they are not the pizza police. They are the phone police. <laughs> and that's the end of our episode. So don't make crank calls and don't watch this episode. Oh. Hey, this, this is cathartic for me. I, um, I'm on the side of the phone police. <laughs> as, a, as a guy who works retail that is yeah. popular with children... And for some reason, these children have a tendency to think that it's hilarious to do prank phone calls to. I'm definitely on the side of the phone, please. It plays on like an old, uh, it feels like an old, like urban legend, sort of. And it feels like yeah. almost like a warning to children because we pranked the fuck out of people as kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was like, uh, I mean, weekends, it's like if we weren't at the mall or Walmart breaking things, we were at my friend's house <laughs> doing star six, seven, calling the porn shop, asking, you know, how big their biggest dildos were just dumb shit. You know, we had, we played with soundboards on uh, E-bombs world and we would have the Arnold voice asking questions, uh, just acting like idiots. And, you know, now that I'm older and think, look back on it just very cringy, but, um, you know, I, I saw this as a kid and it didn't obviously didn't scare me into not doing <laughs> <Tell> it. <laughs> so this episode failed. Yes. I, I, uh, the idea of phone police is just so, crazy it, to me it should have been yeah it could have been i don't know i don't even know how to explain it maybe something a little uh more sinister than like erasing you from existence like like someone would come and take you out i don't know i thought the the cool part of it was um that this episode the storyteller was not at the campfire he was telling his story through a telephone oh, yeah. which was a cool twist mm-hmm. on the yeah. intro uh i thought that was clever you know um I don't know. Like I said, it just sort of reminded me of like a, an urban legend that you'd hear as a kid. Like, you know, if you get caught, like, you know, you can get arrested. It's illegal to make prank phone calls. I, yeah. I saw in the trivia, they said that the phone police were inspired by the thought police from George Orwell's 1984. Um, oh I don't know how truth that is. And then Mike, you will love this one on trivia. It says, was the basis for the weird Al Yankovic song, phony calls a parody of TLC's waterfalls. I don't think he necessarily no. was inspired by this episode, but I thought it was funny that it made it onto the IMDb trivia. That is funny. <laughs> I sincerely doubt it. Hands hands down, scariest episode ever. Uh, I think so. In the series. I This scared the shit out of me when I was a kid um, <laughs> because I did all these things. <laughs> and uh, it closely related. Oh, man. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, w- I, would, I would come home. And I would pick up the phone, and I would just dial a number. That could have been fucking <laughs> long distance. It could have been a local number. I don't know, but I called them, and I talked shit to them. I don't know who they were, and then I would hang up the phone, leaving that person probably completely puzzled, and just like these kids were doing. And uh, you know that really hit home. I'm like, oh, okay, these kids are getting arrested somehow and being put in uh, to jail, exist. phone jail, like. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the, the scariest, the, the the scariest thing was, 
uh, you know, that kid, the, his friend coming home and, and then the sister had like no recollection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, yeah, just, you've just been Set erased. you on the straight and narrow path. Uh, I don't know if I really, <laughs> oh, damn it. I mean, I probably <laughs> didn't do it as much, but like, it was scary in the, in the sense that, uh, like, I think the, the biggest part that scared me was, um, when they have their phone police cars and they're like, <laughs> it's playing the, the, the fucking phone static and the like as the siren like what you'd hear if you left the phone off the hook for too long oh, God. Uh, i'm like oh god that's real that's real real and i'm like well you know if there's a if there are uh police cars then they've got to exist right like they've got to be real that's right they are um, real <laughs> so all, all you, you better straighten up uh, can't really get away with that shit today. I mean, it, first of all, the the phone. I'm sure people probably wouldn't even know what the hell's going on with his phone, which is badass, by the way. A neon red phone. I mean, come on, <laughs> who didn't want that phone uh-huh. or any phone that lit up, especially in your room? I mean, because then you, you know, you could the call clear your plastic pals. one that you could see all the stuff inside. That yeah, was the th- phone, those man. were like that was like the phone in the 90s, right? 80s right, and 90s. Yeah. It was the clear, you'd see all the fucking diodes and, you know, yes. like pastors and shit inside. Like that was the phone and you wanted it. You wanted it in your room so you could make prank phone calls to Pizza Hut. It's just, you know, <laughs> who you were in the 90s. You didn't have fucking internet. Like, I mean, you didn't until like later times. Who? You, what did you do? You called people and you pissed them off. That's just what you did. <laughs> it's so funny because like probably like three or four years ago, this uh, Nikki got a, a prank call on her cell phone and the dumbass didn't block his number. And so <laughs> she she typed it into like the search bar on Facebook. It brought up this kid's profile um, she went to the kid's mom's Facebook, like looking through his information, Ooh. called his mom. And this and, and the kids that called weren't like, they didn't do like what we would do and just like fuck with people. They were like, you know, oh, you sound sexy. Like, let's fuck. And we're saying just like, like really <laughs> creepy sort of like sexual things. So she called and was like, your son's calling and telling women he wants to like have sex with them. And she was like, what? And uh, then she like texts these kids and was like, next time hit star six, seven when you're going to prank someone. Cause um, I was, I, I found out who you are pretty easily and I found your mom and let her know. And he was like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And it was pretty damn awesome. That's that awesome. is very awesome. <laughs> I thought it was going to go down the uh, Christmas story route where you hear the mom like, Wah! No, no. She's like whipping him in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then we saw his obituary a week later. Oh, no. yeah, he did. <laughs> he, his phone, his his name disappeared from Facebook. Uh, he he did no longer phone, existed. <laughs> Mom no turned him in. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Love so, it. So, Mike, mm. when you get these prank phone calls at work, yeah. I mean, as a comedian... It's not fucking funny. You just you can't appreciate never, it. You no, just can't work on your material. Because no, well, first of all, there isn't once you're just like, all freaking, right, that was pretty funny. There may be one in a <laughs> blue moon, but it's always just the most ignorant, ignorant like of toads. shit. Oh, don't even get me started on the battle toads thing. <laughs> so, um, um, Mike, what, what's your store's number? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's 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 none your none your damn business. Um. What I'll do though is because they'll call up and they'll be like, "Hey, do you do you have like a, a, 
women love dildos on PS4 or something stupid. And I'll be like, <laughs> uh, let me check. And I put them on hold and I'll just sit there and watch how long they wait on hold knowing that. And, uh, and I'm not going to pick it back up. I just leave them on hold. I think one time I saw somebody stayed on hold for like 10 minutes. And I'm oh like, my God. Who is laughing now, you dumb fuck? You know, you're gonna Steve sit on. Really wants to know if Mike, that might be a game. Women love dildos. I know. On PS4. Look it up. Dedicated to his joke. We only have it on um, Xbox. Sorry, <laughs> I I don't give them anything. I, I don't give them any satisfaction whatsoever. Well, because then they just keep calling back when I did when they when I do. If I were, yeah, you can't get animated. Yeah, you can't give them anything, or they just keep calling you. Because there there have been times where you know they will call, and I'm working by myself. You know, ninety percent of my work week is working by myself, and if I get busy, I don't have time for that shit. I just wondered if you appreciated if any of it was funny enough that you were like, all right, that was kind of funny. I mean, fuck you, hang up, but. Yeah, mostly, <laughs> absolutely never. Oh, dang. Never funny. Jason, what's our last episode we're going to talk about? The last episode submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story the tale of Jake the Snake. <laughs> Ambitious kid who wants to be a professional hockey player finds a hockey stick that can't miss. Unfortunately, it's cursed. So when I watch this, I'm like, well, this is clearly Dustin's pick because <laughs> it's hockey and there's kids <laughs> playing hockey and I, you're like yep. the biggest hockey guy I know. This Which, has to be the most Canadian episode of the entire does. run. Yeah. Hey, they at least waited, you know, like what, six or seven seasons before they did this episode. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, this is 1999. Holy shit. Season six. Yeah. Yep. So they, they at least, you know, put this on the back burner a little bit. I'm sure it was one of the first ones they wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all right. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I was, I don't know, the way that kid turned into a dick fast, I didn't enjoy that. But <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He and, did. You, and you know what? Did you not? That attitude, yeah. I <laughs> wanted to see him eat shit fast. Yep. Again, like these anthology shows are usually morality tales for the main character, but I don't feel like he, he really came did. out any different at the <laughs> no. end. I felt like he walked out of there just as much of a dick. Yeah. I thought he started okay. He but started man, okay. Once he got but... what he wanted, man, straight to dick town. Yep. And his poor friend, you know, we tried so hard. He just couldn't. Anyway. But it was, yeah, it was just hockey-laden goodness. I kind of feel like this was one that deserved more of a longer running time than 20 minutes. Because I wanted to see more of him transforming into a snake instead of just some, you know, dried skin. Which, out of all the episodes that we watched, this one I think is the Grossest. It's just <laughs> him peeling his own skin off throughout. Yeah. It looked yeah. good. Yeah. Had some sweet CGI, though. A little bit with the snake. Yeah, they attempted. <laughs> they tried it. They tried you know, it. was 99. Yep. It was zero dollars. Better than it looked pro- probably yeah. better, better than the Scorpion King or whatever with a oh, rock. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Burn. Yeah. Yep. I don't really remember this one at all. Like when he said, like when you guys said that uh, Dustin had recommended Jake the Snake, I'm like, what, what? is this? 
And so Hold this on. was. I didn't I, recommend. <laughs> I just you said, said like, let's talk about this. <laughs> you, you said, I believe that uh, maybe the t- you know through um, something was lost in translation because, as Jason said. Dustin says we have to watch Jake the Snake. It's one of the top episodes ever made. No, I instantly when when he when he sent that list, I was like, I have to just ask Dustin why he picked yep, these he Jake the that. Snake out of all these. What is well, going on? I played a lot of roller hockey yeah. when I was a kid. We had our own. I teams did too. And and uh, where I live, and um. <laughs> You know, I in '99 I would have been, I would have been a freshman in high school or in eighth grade. Oh my! And I so I watched it. You know, still watching it as, (laughs) as a weird kid. Uh, (laughs) And uh, you know that was the start when we were like things were like really ramping up in town. We were having you know like clinics and you know we were really playing. It was all roller hockey. We had our own court. We were getting boards and. Uh, you know, we had teams, enough people for teams and like, you know, referees. It was, it was a really cool time that didn't last for long. And I was the captain of one of the teams and just the idea of having a stick, uh, if I remember the episode, right. That just like, you can't fucking lose. Like, mm-hmm. because we never won one. We, I think we won like one game. Uh, I was, <laughs> had a, I had a team full of bad news bears, um, <laughs> We just, I would mm-hmm. have loved to have had a stick that I could just throw anything at the net and it would go in. And I think there's just, even though I was a little bit older at that time, I, I just, the idea of that, the fantasy of that was just, uh, it was just really cool. And plus, like, you know, it was a hockey episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the, there's like a scene where they go. He goes into the basement when he finds the uh, stick, and like the basement, I just like looking at it. It's clearly a set, and it's like <laughs> there's two like hockey nets down there. Just like why are these down here? Like how did <laughs> some of the, there's just like old wooden crates. It's like wh- it, it's it looks it could not be like less believable. Like it's the training room. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was like laughing pretty hard, and and then when you see the actual snake, but I did think it was cool. Like when he was turning, like his he was getting scaly and turning into yeah. a snake. I thought that was cool. I think every episode has a redeeming factor. You know, if you look back, even if you didn't like the episode, I think there's something always there. Oh yeah, you're like, oh, I, I like that. You can just pick that part out and like this. Is what I like. Yeah, pick and choose. You know, I I also gave them uh, some shit because. Uh, they let you pick some episodes, but my favorite didn't make the cut. What was your favorite? My favorite is the tale of the super specs where they, uh, they put on cursed glasses and they can see, um, people in another dimension living amongst us. That freaked me the fuck out. It's very much like they live, but, um, you could not see them at all without the glasses. And when you put them on, they were like black, black figures, uh, the, the the budget really hurt it because um, these people were clearly just wearing black bodysuits with like black um, netting over their heads. But um, the idea of like these other like it blew my mind as a kid because they're like playing basketball and they look over at the other hoop and there's kids that are like like them. But there's all black silhouettes playing basketball. And then they look over and see her and they're like, oh, shit, she can see us. Um and so, like, she'll put them on her living room, and there's another family in their room, like, watching oh, something, man. you know? It, yeah, and it freaked me out. I'm like, 
oh my god, is this something that could be real? Like, and, and that's another Sardo episode. They get the, the glasses from um, Sardo, and uh, I, that one really freaked me out as a kid. And then um, Tale of Dead Man's Float. I just wanted to get those two in before like we moved on because that one freaks me out too. Um, these kids discover that um, there's a pool hidden in their school like it's not their normal pool that they swim in but it's like closed down and shut that shut off behind you have to go yeah yeah, and the monster design on that is straight out of creep show Mm -hmm. um and as someone who's afraid of water and claustrophobic and you know just that idea freaked me the fuck out and i rewatched that recently and it's still pretty creepy so man yeah all these are coming back you know i'm gotta i gotta dig deep on this uh paramount suck and see if i can you know, find <laughs> something else that I yes know. super specs is not on there but dead man's flow oh. is on there oh man Bummer. but super just specs a, is uh, on like youtube or daily motion or something yeah just a little tidbit about this episode the not the uh, not the kid with the stick but the friend i'm curious what he's more proud of uh because he was in zach and mary make a porno and he's the one that's um getting i guess sodomized with a dildo by uh tracy lords yes so do do you think he's more proud of getting on-screen sodomized by a woman or <laughs> this are you afraid of the dark episode just curious hmm. i think that's even <laughs> i think that's <laughs> tato potato yeah All right, well, we could be talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark all day, but unfortunately, those that's it. Those are the episodes we have time for, so um, that's all. But don't worry, there's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, it'll be a segment's time on the show. Uh, You're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, including our newest show, the Bad Movie Bunny Podcasts, yeah. the newest addition to the network. Um, so definitely check it out. Uh, every episode is a review of horror or thriller movies. <laughs> um, but it, but is the scream that you hear your own? So you can check out the Bad Movie Bunny Podcast and all the other shows at thepfbn.com. But don't just take our word for it. Listen to this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. See, I told you. All right. It is segments time here, and we're going to start off, as we always do, with Jason and some shout outs. It's time for shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. 
All right, this episode we asked, what's your favorite episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Or some of your favorite memories of the show. On our Facebook group edition, we got Donald Salisbury from the movie Defenders. He says, my son Josh, parentheses 13, that's a weird last name, Mm. says his favorite is The Tale of the Prom Queen because the backstory is creepy and the ending is cool. Happen to remember that? No? Prom Queen? Anybody? Uh, sounds familiar. I'm sure once yeah. I'd uh, <laughs> look it up and yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, over on our Facebook page, we got Nick Leadham. He says, Ghastly Grinner was my favorite when I was a kid, I think. Dead Man's Float probably has the best monster, though. And Station 109.1 had a great gimmick, too. And I have a soft spot for one of. The, for ones that have dark endings, like dark music. Yeah, Ghastly Grinner is another infamous one. It has like a jester that is Ooh. creepy as fuck. The makeup's really good on it. Um, yeah, Mike would probably like that one because he comes out of a comic book. Oh, cool. Ah, yeah, definitely Grinner. check that one out. Hope that, I hope that one's on the Paramount. So, yeah, maybe we have uh, some older listeners and not as many younger listeners, <laughs> but uh, that's all we had on shout-outs. Nothing over on Twitter or Instagram, but... Uh, if you would still like to leave your comment, you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play your comment on the show. But it's not over yet. One more segment to go. It's Insane's Picks. <laughs> We continue to travel around the world looking for the heroes of the weird and wild cinema to induct into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. This time we travel south to Mexico to induct a man, a myth, a legend, who has conquered not only movies, but also comic books, and especially the world of wrestling. For this Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we induct El Santo. Legendary masked Mexican wrestler actor El Santo achieved icon status via his highly colorful wrestling career. His moves surpassed the timing and speed of any professional wrestling you see here in the United States. At least that's my opinion anyway. Santo was a legend in Mexico. He was like a superhero who would never take his mask off in public. His popularity quickly allowed him to take over other media as well. He appeared in nearly 60 films throughout his career. Wrestling took off in the early 1930s in Mexico after several promoters had witnessed events in Texas, and in Mexico, the sport eventually became known as Lucha Libre, which means free fight, Mexico's version of professional wrestling. His first wrestling appearance was alleged to have been in er, at Arena Palviro, Uh, Cosmel on June 28, 1934, and he soon became an active figure on the Mexican wrestling circuit under various names. After initially competing as a bad or heel wrestler, El Santo became a good guy or babyface wrestler, and that's the way he remained for the next 50 years. 
1942, his manager was assembling a team of masked, masked silver, silver, masked silver wrestlers and wanted him to join the assembly. Uh, he was giving the choice of three stage names, El Diablo, the devil, El Santo, the saint, or El Angel, the angel. Uh, he, of course, chose El Santo and first wrestled under the under that name at Arena Mexico on June 26, 1942. During the 1950s began the El Santo comic book, which would run over the next 35 years. The comic um, at... Uh, the comic book, uh, in in the comic book, El Santo fought colorful villains and supernatural creatures. Uh, at, at first, Santo refused to appear in films. However, he finally appeared in his first film called Santo vs. the Zombies in 1962. That film opened the floodgates and was quickly followed by such films as Santo vs. the Evil Brain in 1961, Santo vs. the Infernal Men in 1961 as well, all shot in Cuba prior to Fidel Castro's seized of power. Santo versus the zombies also starred Lorena Val Valquez, uh, who would also appear as Zorna, the queen of the vampires in Santo versus the vampire women. Lorna would go on to star as a wrestler superhero in her own right in the series of Mexican wrestling women films like Dr. Doctor of Doom and Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Zombie. The fans flocked to the theaters to see Santo as the crime-fighting superhero they believed him to be. Uh, the movie career exploded overnight. Over the next three decades, Santo starred in so many films. He would team up with, uh, with his friend on screen but rival in the ring, The Blue Demon. Some of Santo's more popular films were Santo and the Wax Museum in 1963, Santo and the Blue Demon versus the Monsters in 1970, Santo and Vengeance of the Mummy in 71, and Santo and Blue Demon versus Dr. Frankenstein in 1974. At one point during the 60s, a film distributor in the United States bought the rights to release several of the Santo films in the U.S., renaming him uh, Samson instead of Santo. And in France, Santo was redubbed as Superman. In 1976, there was a change in power in the Mexican government. The new administration did not care for the whole masked wrestling genre, and the film funding was canceled for these type of films. Santo's final appearance was in Fury of the Karate Expert in 1982, which was filmed in Florida. At the age of 65, Santo officially retired from wrestling and acting in 1982. The only time he took his mask off in public was January 26, 1984 for a Mexican television show. Ten years later, uh, in February in February 5th, he died of a heart attack. Excuse me, let's try that again. Ten days later, after that appearance on that show, he died on February 5th of a heart attack during a live performance in Mexico City. Thousands of fans attended the funeral, and Santo was even buried in his iconic mask. Soon after, his son put on the silver mask as son of Santo to carry on his father's legacy. I love the Santo movies for their low-budget mix of wrestling, superheroes, James Bond-type spy films, and of course, all of the amazing monsters. A true icon in cult cinema and wrestling... Uh, we induct the legendary El Santo into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame.
You do love your Santos. I do. So that wraps up another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast and another meeting of the Midnight Society. I want to thank everybody for listening and a very special thanks to Dustin for joining us again this time around. Thank you. How can people follow you, Dustin? Or do you want them to? (laughs) No, sure. Yeah, I still still do everything horrible. I do more live streaming now uh, than I do any kind of videos. But I am doing more videos on the way. And uh, Mm. yeah, so you can follow me there. Um, uh, Yeah, that's everything horrible. uh, Horrible. Oh, and I was so so proud of it. I I, got to tell everybody that I got to do some music for the special features on the Friday the 13th box set. I just keep touting that everywhere I go. You have to. Uh, You have to, man. So if you've got it and you listen to some music and the special features, it might be me. So you just have to, you have to watch all of it and then you'll. (laughs) <laughs> You'll hear it, I'm sure. You should watch it all anyway. Yep. But yeah, that's all I've got. Well, and that's awesome too. I I forgot to congratulate oh, you, you on that, awesome. and Thank very you. well deserved because your music is amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh oh, I forgot the bucket of water to put out the fire. Oh, no. So I guess I'm gonna have to pee on it. Ah. Good night, everybody. Talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Oh no! Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer.